I did it for two months and I made a decent amount of money. I think I made like $24,000 in two months, no experience. I bought a house with it. Like that's, I was a homeowner after two months of selling. The next summer I recruited 40 dudes. We all moved out to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I made a quarter million in four and a half months. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today's guest is Bennett Maxwell. But before he introduces himself, I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends, invite them to subscribe, and connect with us on social media. So, Bennett, what do you do? I uh, do cookies now, so... Kind of had a, a big turn of events. I've been in sales background, and then I bought a cookie company, and I and I just franchised it a few months back. So yeah, I'm, I'm the cookie man, the cookie monster. That's so interesting. Did you ever think that you would sell cookies like this? No, no, not at all. In fact, I wanted to buy a, a different cookie franchise a few years ago, and the irony of it was they required you to work in the store. Like you had to be the owner operator. And I looked at that. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be the owner operator. My personal belief is I want to change trade money for more money, not time for yeah. money, right? So like, I'm not going to move to make cookies my career. So I turned down the opportunity. And then here I am three and a half years later and cookies are my career. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, funny. Kind of funny. Yeah. At No Degree, we share stories of people who are successful without a college degree. But No Degree doesn't mean no education or no skills. And that's why I want to tell you about Business XP the sponsor of today's podcast. Business XP is a new alternative to business school. If you want to gain the skills and confidence to start a career in business or start your own business, you should take a serious look at Business XP. Here's what's really unique about it. Business XP uses the world's most advanced business games and simulations to help you learn about business in the fastest and most effective way possible. Imagine playing realistic games that can help you be successful in business and life. Business XP training is completely online and you can do it at your own pace with live coaching when you need it. In a matter of weeks, you can be better prepared to win your first job or level up your career or be ready to start your own business. You can find out more and check out the special no degree scholarship offer at business-xp.com forward slash no degree. That's business-xp.com forward slash no degree. The link is also in the show notes. But I, I'm definitely on that. Now I'm on the other end. And rather than being the franchisee, I'm on the franchisor and I'm selling the franchises and, and building out that model for them. Why cookies? Um, so there's a cookie company, you being in New York, you probably haven't heard of it yet, but they did, they're four and a half years old. I just heard, uh, you, you might need to fact check me on this, but they did 1.2 billion in sales in the last 12 months. That's a lot of cookies. Uh, and cookies. Yeah, so they've sold, they have, I looked on their website today, set, uh, 473 franchises open, open in operation, and they're killing it. They're doing like 1.6, 1.7 million average store uh, gross revenue. So anyway, I saw this other cookie company taking off. There's a few other ones out of here in Utah. The original one was a cookie company called Chip. And then this other cookie company, Crumble, that I'm mentioning that are killing it, they copied a lot of what Chip was doing. You know, Let's jump into the mix. There's, there's a lot. There's not that many players out there for these are giant cookies. They're a third of a pound. 
Every week you have brand new flavors. They're baked fresh every hour delivered to your door. We do three-layer cookies. So like you look at a cookie, it looks like a peanut butter cookie. You break it open, there's chocolate dough. And in the very center, there's Reese's peanut butter spilling out on you. So we have a very unique cookie and it's just fun. There's definitely a lot of money in it, but it's just fun. Wow, that's cool. I'm pre-diabetic, so I got to like kind of avoid, but I'm going to have some of your cookies because I'm still a big, I don't know who isn't, but I'm a huge fan of cookies, cookies and milk. It's like, that's something I can eat all day. That's probably why I'm pre-diabetic. So let's kind of take it back. What was high school like for you? And what did you want to become in high school? In high school, I was set on being a pediatrician. I thought everybody looks up to doctors. They make a decent amount of money. Kids, right? Like who doesn't, what girl doesn't want to marry a yeah. dude that wants to be a pediatrician? So that's, that's what I thought I was going to be. I graduated high school with great grades, um, got a full ride scholarship plus grants to college. And I started doing pre-med, but <laughs> that, that, that was I mean, I just chose that because I didn't know what else to choose and it sounded good. I get queasy when it comes to blood. <laughs> like I was I'm not meant for to be a doctor, but I'm like, I'm going to do it. Um, until anyways, I started getting into cells and, and seeing, seeing these other avenues and then which led me to drop out of or, or take a break. You tell people you drop out of school and they're like, oh, you're crazy. I'm like, nah, I'm just taking a break. <laughs> That's what I told people for the first year or two. <laughs> so... No, yeah, definitely took a big shift. In so that. now when you took a break, what was going through your mind? I mean, it wasn't a, a break to me. I had one semester left. So I did this thing and it's big in Utah. It's called Summer Cells. You have all these sales companies that do door-to-door and they're pitched to these young college kids are, hey, you could come out for four to five months, make enough money to pay for your college and pay for all your expenses. Like you can make six figures in these four to six months, cold knocking doors. So I'm like, cool, let's go do that. Anyways, I did it for two months and I made a decent amount of money. I think I made like $24,000 in two months, no experience. The next summer I recruited 40 dudes. We all moved out to Charlotte, North Carolina. and I made a quarter million in four, four and a half months. And I'm like, I just made more money than, you know, I wanted to be a pediatrician for the money, not because yeah. I love uh, blood because I can't even deal with that. So if I made that, you know, twice as much money in a quarter of the time, why am I in school? So I dropped out. I had one semester left and I dropped out. Everybody's like, you're crazy. What if you need it? I'm like, ah, oh, then you know, maybe I could go back. But I, uh, yeah, I had really good grades in college. Was definitely going to graduate. I was on a full ride scholarship with a grant. So I was actually getting paid to college. I only had one semester left and I still dropped out. Cause like, I don't know. It's kind of yeah. maybe out of spite, like sticking it to the man. Like I want to prove that you don't need college. I love it. So anyways, I saw your podcast. I'm like, dude, I, w- I would love to be on this podcast because I'm that, uh, I definitely went against the grain. Look, if you had one more semester, I would have rejected. I would have taken your cookies, but I would have rejected you for the podcast. Now, <laughs> now let's really yeah. go into it. What were you selling that you could make like close to like 40 to 60K a month? Uh, pest control. So the first thing I did, yeah, you're selling pest control contracts. So you're knocking on somebody's door. You know, it's all, it's all, you just get an air and you just knock 100, 200 doors a day. So you get a lot of no's, but you get a few yeses. And you're selling a one-year pest control contract. I think our average contract value they were paying like maybe 50 bucks for the first spray. And then you come back four more times over the year. So it's a 13 month contract after, and then you get a percentage of that. So I think at the time, and I mean, you're selling it for a lot more now, but I think at the time, the average contract value is around $500. And I was making about 60% of that. I'd make 60% of what um, that first year's contract was. So I'd make $300 to sell and I could get 10 of those in a day, wow. you know, go knock on 200 doors and I could go get 
10 cells. Then I moved to satellite. Um, that was paying about five to $600 and you're selling direct TV or AT&T. So same thing. And I'm saving money. Then I went over to a company called Vivint Smart Home oh, okay. and I was selling doorbell cameras and home automation. That was fun. I was making probably eight to $900 a sell. And then you also make overrides. You know, yeah. you recruit people, you train them a hundred percent commission-based. So if you want to recruit somebody and they don't sell and they move out, like that's on you. You just wasted your time. Anyways, I did that. And then I moved into solar and that was my favorite product to sell. If anybody's looking yeah. for some, a great industry, I'd go knock some doors in solar. I started a solar company in January of 2020 with my brother, yeah. co-founded that with him. And, uh, yeah, started knocking doors. We moved to San Diego in June of 2021. So just under 18 months later, we sold wow. it. So as we, we got in, made some good money, and then had a good exit as well. And then that's when I jumped full-time into this, this dirty dough. So yeah, if you're looking for quick capital, go knock some doors. There's a lot of money, especially if you're in California. We were making about, I think it was like $8,800 average per sale. Yeah. And this is saving while I'm saving people money. It's, it was, it's, it's stupid. Like I will knock on your door and I'll say, look, I'm not going to charge you a dollar. Is it nothing up front? I'm going to cut your bill in half. It's good for the environment and your savings start immediately. And so, you know, sign on the dotted yeah. line. And I make $8,800 on average and they save $100 per month for the next 25 years on average. So it was like, it was a great product. Wow, that's I amazing. It. I know about Vivint. My friend told me about it like a few years ago. He's like, this company's blowing up. So it's interesting. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So how would you like get good at sales? Because obviously, yes, it's easy to make money, but not everyone could do it, right? I'm pretty sure you, some of those guys that you came out, they're like, hey, you know, like they couldn't do it. Most people go home and the people who stay out, a lot of them don't make money. I was committed to going to school for another four years for medical school and then another three years of residency to make 150 to 200 a year. So I thought seven years of time to make, let's call it $200,000 a year. Well, if I want $200,000 a year, how do I compress seven years of college into the, the shortest amount of period. So I gave up music completely. I just listened to sales books. I did role plays every day. Like I didn't get out of college to stop learning. That I think that's a very important distinction. It wasn't about learning. It was how I'm learning. So I dove into learning even deeper when I dropped out of college, but just wanted to do it at my own pace, which was actually much quicker than college. So I said, I'm not going to be a salesperson. I'm going to be a professional salesperson, not just a yeah, salesperson. Yeah. So I just ate it up. I just, you know, memorize every uh, objection and the answer to every objection and practice in the mirror. And I was smiling and head nodding like, yeah, you know, just doing all the things they teach you. But I definitely outstudied and outpracticed anybody out there. And that's what's definitely gave me a lot of the success. So I'm a big believer that sales is a learnable skill, just like being a doctor. I could have become a doctor, right? I wasn't born a doctor. I get queasy with blood. I could have done it if I pushed towards it. Anybody become a professional salesperson if you learn the skills, yeah. if you put in the time, you know how to talk to people and your verbal language and your tonality and the pitch of your voice. It's all learnable. No, that's very important. That's so amazing. And that's one thing I love about sales. It's like, can you sell? Nothing else matters. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't yeah. matter how old you are. Can you sell? Now, I got to ask you this. Did anyone sell more than you? Um, in the company, yes. In the offices or the regions, typically, no. But like Vivint has like 5,000 sales reps. So I did like definitely a shorter summer. I think I did like 280 accounts. But yeah, somebody that year did like 400. Wow. 
So no, there's, there's some heavy hitters there. Same with solar. Like I was selling a good amount of solar, but there in San Diego, I personally knew three people from their own personal sales, not even recruiting, not running a company, just knocking doors that made over a million dollars. Wow. That's crazy. So I wasn't making that much. I was making good money, but not a million dollars off of personal sales. So no, there's, there's plenty of better salespeople than me um, that maybe were, you know, a better born salesman. I don't know. Um, I definitely grew up not, I'm not an extrovert, I guess. I don't talk to people. I put my headphones in when I get my hair yeah, done. Yeah. Like I don't even want to freaking talk to that person. I don't talk to people in the grocery line. That's uh, but if I'm going to do it for my career and become a professional salesperson, then, you know, I will, uh, I can make the change. So are you an introvert or are you an ambivert? Say the second so one, an amb- ambivert. So here's the thing. Extroverts, they want to talk to people. They gain energy by going to parties, by talking to people, right? Introverts gain energy by being by themselves, by spending time. Ambivert is neither. So I'm an ambivert. I can talk to people all day, but I don't need to in order to be fulfilled. So where would you fall along the spectrum? I'm trying to become more an extrovert because I've seen the studies out there that people are happier when you do talk to the grocery register person. And for business, it's also really good. You tell a thousand people what you're doing, they'll connect you with somebody. So I'm trying to become more of that, but I guess... Yeah, I don't, without seeing those studies and being in business, I wouldn't be. I'd be more of an introvert. So t- tell me the, the terminology ambivert, you just ambivert. used. Ambivert. Ambivert. Yeah, I think I'm an ambivert. And you know, then. the thing is, it's a spectrum, right? Sometimes you have different times of your life. And you know, it's not, someone's not always extroverted, always introverted. They have like their spectrums and all that. But, you know, some people lean a certain way. So yeah, you could be towards the middle because it's like, I don't mind knocking on doors and stuff and all that. So that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. So now... When you started making that money, like what went through your mind and how did the people around you react? A lot of people, I mean, it, it's pretty like everybody does it here in Utah. Like everybody gets recruited to do summer sales. And you talk to 15 companies yeah. before you decide which company and which industry. So it's very kind of accepted, but there's also a negative, like they call them the summer sales. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, like, you're the bro and the dude, what's yeah, up, yeah. you know? And, um, so you, you kind of get a lot of kickback, like, oh, you're one of those summer sales guys. Like my, my mom definitely didn't want me to go do it. She's like, that's stupid. Dropping out of college is stupid. So I got a lot of kickback, but I, uh, the proof was in the pudding. You know, I was going out there. I was succeeding. I was reaching my goals. So it was kind of just like, uh, whatever, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Um, it's, it's working for me. So your parents were supportive or they were not? My, my dad was he's he's been very supportive on uh and I didn't grow up with both my parents. Yeah. They divorced when I was younger, but my dad's always lived close. So my dad was very much of like go to sales. That's a very valuable skill. My mom was more go to college. My dad was a college dropout as well. Um a lot, a lot of my family, I guess some of them, like I have a brother that graduated like top of class at MIT. And then me, my little brother, my older brother, my dad, you know, we all Went to college and yeah. dropped out. Okay. So okay, interesting. You all of you were very smart, but you got you, all of you realized yeah, kind, kind of kind of a kind of a mixture. So now, how was it with your mom? Like when? How did she come eventually come to terms with it? Well, yeah, because uh, she lives in one of my homes and she ha- drives one of my cars. Okay. <laughs> so that's a great way to convince your mom. Okay, that's awesome. She's on board with it now. So now you kind of came in, right? So now. Running the business, yes, there's a huge sales component, but then there's a huge operations component. So how was that adjustment like? I looked at myself as an operational. Like that's my my mentality is what is the most efficient way we can do this? You know, how can I learn the most efficient way? How do I practice the most? So it was all kind of 
operations focus, but towards sales. So when I applied it to the business, it was a pretty good transition because I was already always thinking about the process of the sale, not just the sale itself. I teamed up with my brother. He's much older than me. There's nine kids. So there's a, a, there's a big gap. Anyways, he's 13 years older. He bought his first franchise, like 22, 23, a sign company. And I actually worked for him when I was uh, pretty young. And just since then, he's just been an entrepreneur. So I'm like, man, if I could team up with my brother, co-found the solar company, I'm going to learn a lot of good business skills, which I did. So by the time we exited that, I felt pretty comfortable running a business. And that's when I jumped in and I bought this cookie company. So this cookie company was just one existing location. Um, I actually wanted to be the first franchisee. The guy wasn't wanting to franchise it anymore. He was looking to just sell the whole business. So I said, let's give it a shot. You know, it's, I'm seeing these other cookie companies take off. I think I could give them a little bit of competition. Um, and then I would already gained that confidence from uh, partnering with my brother and learning from, you know, a, a seasoned entrepreneur. Wow, that's amazing. Now, here's the thing. They always say, don't do business with your family, right? They say it's a mistake. Yeah. But there's a lot of nuance to that. How'd you know working with your brother was the right decision? And what are some, what's some advice you have for people who do want to work with their family? Yeah, definitely heard that a lot. Luckily, me and my brother, um, I mean, I, I mean, it worked out. So I think we kind of got lucky. Um, one thing I learned after I sold the business was the only wrong way to do a partnership is 50-50. Like that's, and that's what we did. We did 50-50. So luckily, you know, we got along enough or we can always talk through issues. But what happens often and why I was taught you never do 50-50. So you have a small business. You can't, you know, two founders can't agree. And the only way you can move forward is if you agree, right? If you're 50-50, you need one person to be able to step in there and say, I've listened to your thoughts, but at the end of the day, I'm going to make the decision and this is what we're going to do. That's what's going to take a company to the next level where a lot of it's like, you can't even get off the ground because you have this stupid dispute and there's no way of resolving it because you're 50-50. So I learned um, that again after, but luckily, just because I guess my personality and my brother's personality, we were always able to talk through it and uh, and come up with a decision. Going forward, I'll never do a business 50-50. It's not about the money. It's about the decisiveness and the timeline to be able to you know, take action. So even if it's 50.1% versus 49.9%, you need one person to be able to make the decision. You also don't want to do you know, three partners each at 33%. You need one person to be able to, you know, outweigh it. I guess with three people, you can, you know, majority vote. But um, no, that was definitely, I learned a lot after I sold my business about business because then I started taking courses. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So I have a business, three partners, 33%. But we have your brother's situation where we can always come to agreement. We listen to each other. We talk it out. And, you know, I think the big thing is you can't have the ego. It can't be like, hey, I'm smarter. It's about actually... Listening, like in sales, active listening is one of the things. What are the yep. issues, right? When you're kind of selling. Now, what resources did you learn sales from? You said you listened to like the sales audiobooks and all that. Yeah, audiobooks mostly. I listened to the Tom Hopkins book, the Zig Ziglar's books, the Grant Cardone, the, uh, the Brian Tracy books. And what I would do is I'd play the books, pause it, write it down, say it out loud until it's memorized. So it wasn't just reading. It was reading conforming to my pest control pitch or my solar pitch or whatever, and then memorizing it. And then I'd practice in front of a mirror as well. But some of these companies have good sales materials. Some of them didn't. So when they don't, you just go to sales in general and then have to apply it. Vivint being such a big sales company, they had a lot of good materials. They had several videos that were just full sales presentations. It's like 45 minute long videos. 
I watched at least one of those a day for the entire summer. Typically, I'd watch like one and a half on the way up because I'd drive like an hour, 20 minutes to get to my area. We were selling in Bakersfield and none of our wives wanted to live in Bakersfield, California. So we lived by Six Flags in Santa Clarita and uh, we drove, made the drive every day. And then on the way back, I'll do the same thing. So I don't know. There's probably only like eight full sales videos. I watched them each a hundred times. I swear. Like I just repetition and I memorized them so I can not only memorize what they said, but how they said it. Yeah. Right. Their tonality, their, the, 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 how the speed when they're pausing all of that. So I just, Vivint had a lot of good training materials that I ate up. So out of those people that you mentioned, which one looking back now resonates with you the most? Like the person you you watch a lot of people like the Zig Ziglar's and well that's Brian Tracy. Which one of them resonates with you the most? The first book I read was probably Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy, and I really like that. Like the Zig Ziglar man, it's been a little bit, but basically their backstory is like I sucked at sales, I was the worst, and then I learned it right. And I related to that as well. Not that I felt like I sucked at sales, but I'm just like I don't consider myself a natural salesperson. So I like that these people have been able to do that. Um, Grant Cardone had some great stuff, but I don't feel like I resonate with his style yeah. of selling. He has some crazy things that he does. Um, yeah. Like he's, yeah. So he's like, you know, just, just do it for me. It's like, what do you mean do You know, like nobody yeah, cares yeah. about you. Like I, that's, it's weird. Um, anyways, but I still got, got a lot of valuable information, but I would say definitely not that strategy, more of the uh, Brian Tracy, or there's another one. Forgot the book. Um, one of them was Jordan Belfort's okay. book, though. I really like that one. That's a very applicable, The Way of the yeah, Wolf. I, I think. heard that one is really good. Really, really good book. There's another one, Never Split the Different. That was a really good one as well. I definitely relate to those styles. My mind is all logic and thinking through and asking the problem. I mean, asking the right questions, uncovering the correct concern, and then diving in to make sure that's the only concern and then resolving it rather than kind of the, fast-paced. I mean, I talk fast, but you know, the fast-paced like Willen and Dylan, yeah. but I liked that more. Like, let's get to the problem, uncover the problem, and then see if we can find a win-win. If not, I'm not going to sell this to you because I need you to be happy. And I, I feel like uh, that's what a lot of these books are. Like the Jordan Belfort, like sell me this pen, right? Hey, how long have you been in, in the market for a pen? He's like, I'm not. He's like, well, I'm not selling it to you then. Right. Like that's, if you don't want it, I'm not going to yeah, push yeah, it yeah. on you. No, I like that. And you know, it's interesting because I, I kind of asked because you didn't seem like the Grant Cardone stuff. Like I know there are different styles that work for different people. He's more for the extrovert of a certain like, hey, buy for me. And you're right. Like, I don't care about you. I I, I don't need pest control for you. <laughs> I need it for my pests and stuff. So that's, that's cool. Yep. Now, what were some mistakes you made along the way? In my business, let me think. I mean, I've, there's a lot of mistakes. I would still wouldn't call it a mistake, but I'm a big believer in especially when you're young, it's all about bettering yourself and personal progression. So if I looked at money, the mistake I made was switching industries and switching companies. I did it though, because I thought if you work at a job, like kind of the 80, 20 principle rule, right? If I work at a job for five years, I'm probably going to learn 98% of what I'm going to need to know. If I work a job for six months, I'm probably going to know 80% of what I need to know. So that's how I looked at it. I switched around a lot. So I probably made less money overall, but I did it for the education of like, well, if I can learn four different industries and know 80% of four different industries and their sales techniques, that's better than knowing 98% of one industry with one company. So that's kind of a bad answer because I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. saying the reason why I did that, 
mistakes in the business. I I think I did mention the, you know, one that I recently learned was the never do 50-50. Again, it didn't bite me in the butt, luckily, but I think it would have um, maybe eventually. So that was another kind of mistake. Not including stock options and getting employees and salespeople more involved in the company. I think that was a mistake as well. I wish I would have set that up differently, kind of been able to pitch a bigger vision and saying, hey, you could own part of the company and get people bought in a little bit more. And I also just gave up on management. Like I didn't like managing people. I didn't want to be a sales manager. People, I would recruit a bunch of people just because people saw I was successful and people wanted to kind of follow me out there. But I never like said, I'm going to be the best manager. I think I should have focused on being a professional manager, just like a professional salesperson. And I could have created a lot more personal development skills if I did that. But I kind of just said, you know, I don't want to rely on you. I want to rely on myself. I'm going to go knock another door. So that was another thing. Now I'm all about delegation, right? I own a company and it's, I don't know how to make cookies at all. I've never made cookies. It's all about delegation. I just wish I would have learned that sooner in the sales world rather than just saying, I'm just going to rely on myself because you can't, if you're just relying on yourself, you're limited. You have to be able to scale. Yeah. There's no way to scale, right? You can only do X amount of tasks per day. You have people and you amplify their Mm -hmm. tasks. They can do 10, 20, whatever X amount of tasks per day. Now I want to go back and you made it a lot of money young. A lot of people, they lose that money, right? I've talked to salespeople who, you know, they, they had months where they made like 80 K, whatever they got, or in quarterly, they made 80 K in a quarter, but you spend it a lot of, there's like taxes involved. There's being smart with it. How did that go for you? I was lucky enough. I'm now I hate the financial, like schools don't teach you about money. Um, but I, I listened to Rich dad, poor yeah. dad. That gave me a good basis of investment. My parents don't have any money. So like, I, yeah. it's not like I'm learning from anything from them. Um, but books, right? So my first summer, I made $24,000. I, I bought a house with it. Yeah. Like that's I was a homeowner after two months of selling. Yeah. I had to kind of be, you, you know, go like, how do you, that's not enough money to buy a house. I didn't have the credit, didn't have the income. I had to figure all that out. But it was just, I'm going to go talk to realtors. I'm going to see this. So what I ended up doing is I bought a, condo, like 220,000. I paid a little bit extra, made the seller pay the closing costs. And I, I, it was an FHA loan, three and a half percent down. It was nine, $9,000 to own this home. I brought in my brother who had the income and the credit because I didn't have either of those. I said, let's split this 50, 50. I'll put in 4,500. You put in 4,500. And that's how I got my first home. So the guys that I sold with Chandler Smith, he's actually a big YouTuber right now. He's got like 150 uh, properties. I, th- that was the first guy that I sold under. He was my regional and Garrett Myers anyways. And they, that's their whole thing was let's make money and teach you how to get into real estate. So super grateful for those guys because that first summer, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get into real estate. And then I bought another house. And then I started investing in some other businesses, invested in, in this cookie company. And then I ended up buying the cookie company. I'm at seven rental properties right now is what I've been able to, to buy. So I've been, uh, able to learn that kind of through books and just networking. But uh, that rich dad, poor dad kind of got me, got me started. Yeah. Now, have you seen other salespeople sort of make that mistake? Cause I'm pretty sure there were other ones who made money. Oh yeah. All the yeah. time. <laughs> all the time. There's a lot of people that make a lot of money and they don't have anything to show for it. I'm very much like, I need my retirement account. Yeah. I need to take care of all that first um, to a fault. Like I paid off all my cars, you know, like I, like I, a Tesla, like I just paid for it because I'm like, I don't want a car payment. Yeah. Now I'm like, I could use that $60,000 in my business if they're going to yeah. 
only charge me two and a half percent interest. Now I'm kind of like, shoot, do I want to refinance this car and use a little bit more leverage? But I paid off everything. I went with the mentality of I'm going to build cash flow and then buy the things, the luxury items with my cash flow rather than just cash. If that no, makes no, sense. that makes sense. You want to leverage it. You want to be smart with it. And it's not something that a lot of people can do. You need financial discipline because people over leverage themselves. But if you know what you're doing and you have a business and you have to make sure that the money that you're not putting down, that you're using it for effective purposes, right? That you're making more than your two and a half percent and making a multiple of that. Yeah. But I, I saved up a lot before I yeah, bought yeah. any of that. It's kind of like I bought properties first before I bought a Tesla. Like I was still driving a, a, like a 95 Buick <laughs> after I made a quarter million dollars. Like I still drove that for another year and a half. So I'm like, I'm going to lock down some properties. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to invest in businesses, the max out retirement funds. Then I'm going to go buy the stuff. No, I that's amazing. I mean, look, I drive a 99 Corolla. So trust me, I know how it is, right? The the things start peeling yeah. inside and all that stuff. You hear some noises and yeah. all that stuff, but you're like, all right, you know what? I could get it in the car, A to B. Doesn't matter how it looks like. Now, you, you know, you mentioned your mistakes, right? Now, what are some things that, in addition to the books, what are some things that other people who are looking to get into sales should definitely do? I think sales is kind of a, man, it's just a mindset thing. I think it's, am I a natural salesman? I heard that all the time. Like, oh, I'm just not a salesperson. Like I'm recruiting somebody. Like I'm just not a salesperson. I think that's a big thing is when you get rid of that mindset that salespeople don't exist. Salespeople are not born just like a lawyer's not born. They're trained. That's kind of the big thing. Once you get over that mindset, then it's like, okay, what is that person doing that I can't learn? Yeah. Because, you know, how do you not, you can learn to use the same words as them, right? You can learn how to phrase it correctly. You can learn to make the same amount of eye contact as he does or she does. And you can learn how to head nod when they head nod and raise your pitch of your voice. So that was kind of, I would say that mindset of just what are they doing that I can't learn? And then go figure it out because you can learn it. You can learn it all. Yeah, no, that's that's a very good mindset. How has the sales industry changed? Because now they're a lot more reliant on these uh, technologies. They have auto dialers and all that. So how have you witnessed changes in sales? We did a lot of our solar stuff online. Still did mostly door-to-door. And people saw us selling for Vivint. And there's a company called Simply Safe. No, yeah, Simply Safe. They're like, oh, well, we do the same thing for 20 bucks. Vivint charges 60 and then Ring came out and they bought, were bought by Amazon and they were like charging 10 bucks a month. And it's like, Vivint's done for. Well, that was like five years ago and Vivint's a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. So I think when it comes to door-to-door sales, it's who's in your face and can you make the sell? Not even necessarily the uh, solar. Tesla has the cheapest solar, but they don't sell that much solar because they don't have salespeople. You have to go on their website and order it yourselves. Mm. So it's just like, Tesla came out and they're like selling solar cheaper than what I can get as a yeah. solar owner. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was like, man, it's going to kill the industry. Didn't at all. We our sales were the same. So I don't feel like it made. Yes, it's changing a lot, but you you just I, for whatever reason you need salespeople. You need face to face interaction or at least a Zoom call. But people aren't there that they just want to order everything online, especially not big ticket yeah, items. Yeah. They don't want to order a thirty thousand dollars solar system by clicking something online or a $2,000 security system. They want somebody there and, and talking with them. So I think it is changing, but it's changing much slower than what we think. And that's important to know. A lot of people like really undervalue salespeople and they don't realize that 
the salespeople, they're the ones who bring in money so that everything else works. So yeah. definitely, you know, because Tesla has a brand name and stuff, but if you don't have salespeople who are pushing the product, like a lot of people don't know that Tesla has that stuff, right? You have to go to a website mm-hmm. and then it's like to think, it does my homework and you got to spend all day on forums. Whereas like a salesperson yep. who's good and who has your best interest at heart is going to know a lot of those answers, right? They're going to save you so much time. And yeah, especially if I'm dropping 30,000, I want to talk to a person. Yeah, yeah. So now, looking back, what has been your biggest accomplishment? I think being able to sell the company, but kind of the why as to why it was sold. So we were just a sales organization. We didn't do, like pretty much everybody was 1099 contractors working 100% commission-based. But it was being able to work myself out of the business as quickly as possible. So when we sold the business, I'd already purchased the cookie company six months prior. Yeah. And I was running both at the same time. The only way to do that is if you're not in the business, right? You're working on the business, not in the business. So I think that's been an accomplishment that I'm pretty proud of, of let's figure out the model, let's build the organization chart, and then let's fill it up with high talent. So I can then step out and I'm not in charge of meetings or trainings or anything like that. I want to delegate all of that. So now I have a living, breathing company that can function with or without me. So like with Dirty Dough, I hired, Dirty Dough is the name of my cookie company. I hired a CEO in uh, December. So right when I franchised, I hired a CEO because it's like, I don't know how to do all of this, but I can hire people out. And she had, she started a company like and ran it for 35 years. It's called Maui Wowie Smoothies and Coffee. She grew it up to 600 something locations and then sold it. Right. And then took another brand from like zero to 90 locations in a few years. So I'm like, let me get her. Let's get these other high talented people on my, on my, in my business. Now I can, you know, have this call with this podcast, yeah. right. And kind of work on the business rather than in the business. I'm not working all the day to day one. I'm just not good at it. Can I get the name out and, and do these other things? So I would say that's definitely a big accomplishment that I'm proud of is ability to delegate, to kind of trust other people to jump in and know where I'm weak. And I don't know operations of a cookie company. I don't know franchising, but I've hired the, the right people to do it. Yeah, I think that's so important because I come across a lot of entrepreneurs who are like, no, I can do it. I can do that myself. But it's like, there are only so many things you could, you could do given time. And there are only so many things you should do just because you can do it doesn't mean that's the best use of your time. Yep. Does that mean that it's the best use of your mental energy too? Because there's some things that I do, if I do it for 20, 30 minutes, I'm done. But there are some things else, some other things that I'll do an amazing job at and I could do all day long. So now looking back, what was the hardest period of your life? And how was that for you? The hardest period of my life? Every summer, man. <laughs> every summer, I tell myself I'm going home every day. Like, this isn't worth it. <laughs> I have to go. Yeah, every summer, you, I mean, every day you start at zero sales, right? You start at zero dollars earned. And uh, getting through that was pretty difficult. Even being like, you know, a, a high producer, it was still every single day after six years of doing it, I'm still like, I am nervous to go knock doors because what if I don't get a sell? You know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of pressure on it. Um, anyways, that was just, just kind of diving into that industry and figuring that out Yeah, of, of just, man, do I, do I want to keep doing this forever, yeah. you know, and, and experiencing kind of that, that stress and anxiety that just hits every single day. That was probably pretty, pretty tough, but I, anyways, it pay, definitely paid off for sticking through it. That's why the job pays so much. It's like, oh, they're going to pay you to go knock doors. Dude, go knock some doors. Most people quit. The people who stick around make all the money because everybody else quits. Yeah, yeah. 
if everybody stuck around, then all the commissions would look, go lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when did it become easier? I don't think it ever really be. I, I think it became easier. I don't. I don't think it's ever easy though. Like I, I'm telling you, like owning the solar company, I still don't want to knock doors out of nervousness of what if I don't succeed. So kind of like a fear of failure, even though I know I'm good at sales. I don't know something in the back of my mind saying, what What if you, you know, lost all your sales ability yeah. today? <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. So um, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think it gets easier, but it's more the mentality of getting used to it, not thinking, oh, this is getting easier. It's just. No, I know how to talk myself into it and say, no, look at your track record, trust in yourself, go do it, give yourself enough time. Now, if you, if I'm going to go knock and work, as long as I work a good four to five hours a day, I'm going to crush it. If I only go knock for maybe two hours, maybe I'm not going to get one. So that was the other thing is like, I have to set the time aside and being a business owner, that was pretty difficult. Like I didn't want to go knock for two hours because I'm like, mm, what if I'm training somebody and they don't see me have success. Yeah, yeah. But if we're going to go out for four hours, I'm confident. Okay, no, so that's good. So the simple thing of just knock on more doors, right? And keep on doing yeah. it. Yeah. Now, was there ever a time a lack of a college degree held you back? I had, so it was actually, I was interviewing for this other cookie company. I was wanting to buy a franchise and they wanted me to do sales. And that's the only time I remembered somebody saying, what did you get your degree in? And I said, I didn't get one. I don't think it held me back, but I think that's the only time anybody's asked me if I had a degree. Yeah. Maybe another time that I go, where do you, and they just assume it. They didn't ask, you know, it's just like, oh, where'd you get a degree from? I'm like, I, didn't, I didn't get a degree. And if I did, it would have been in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was majoring. <laughs> it was Spanish. It was worthless. So no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's held me back at all. Not saying it doesn't hold other people back. Just me personally, who cares what your degree is? If I'm going to come sell your product and if I don't make you any money, I don't want any yeah. money, right? hundred percent commission based. Who cares about it? Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't matter. You proved it and you did it. Now, did you... Yeah. So you said you majored in Spanish. Did you end up using that? Did that help your sales ability? Oh, yeah, yeah. Selling in California, you need to know Spanish. Okay. So, no, I, I did a lot of a lot of sales in Spanish. Okay, and they probably like, wow, this is cool. So now... Yeah, this white boy is speaking yeah, Spanish. Yeah, duh. So <laughs> have you personally ever felt insecure about not having a degree? I feel like I'm pretty proud of not having a degree. Like, I, I, I kind of left to, you know... Stick it to the man. Yeah. I'm just like, no, we don't need this. But I, I also feel like, so I, I went to like this investment uh, seminar or something last week. And this is business casual. And I'm like, I don't do business casual. I do jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. That's, that's the most you're going to get. And I'm like, and I'm past that point. Like, I don't, I don't care what people think. I show up, everybody's in suits. And I'm in a freaking black t-shirt with black jeans and, and uh, NMD shoes, yeah. you know? And, and then I'm like, I actually do feel kind of stupid yeah. now. <laughs> I thought I was past So, um, Definitely better than before, but and then it's like that is definitely the crowd that people are like, oh, you know, I went to Harvard, yeah. I went to this. What do you do? So yeah, I, I definitely felt some insecurities just last week when I thought I was over it, and then I keep putting myself in that, and that, and then it kind of settles back. Yeah, it's all right. Look. So I'm like, yeah, no, I'm proud of you not getting a degree until I'm in the right room. Then I'm like, oh, maybe, I, maybe I don't, maybe I'm insecure about. Nah, it. I mean, no, that's good to know. Look, collared shirt. That's all you got to do. Collared shirt. All of a sudden, that black tee. You put it under a collared shirt. All of a sudden, now you're PhD level. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So now you kind of went to school and you self-taught. How do you think the education system can be changed? Um, I would have loved to be taught about money in high school. I did get to teach or take, I took one course that was called financial literacy. Honestly, I don't really remember anything other than don't take out a credit card, which I think is terrible advice. Because yeah. when I actually needed credit, I was 23 when I took out my first credit card. Nobody wants to give you money if you have one credit card. You need a line of credit established since you were 18. So 
I think teaching it in high school, offering more than one class, requiring it, and also not, I get why they say stay away from credit cards. Maybe for the average consumer, but it's like, if you make good money, I put everything off credit cards. I pay off every credit card at the end of the month, but I put everything in. It pays for all my travel. So that's kind of a hard one on how I would do it, on how it's taught, but it did something needs to be taught in high school and in junior high. I would love for people to talk about money more. Like how much do teachers make? You don't know. How much does a doctor make? You don't know. You know, like you can kind of Google these things, but nobody's talking about that when you're, everybody's just so this money taboo, right? I'm not going to talk about it. Well, how do you pick a career if you don't know who makes what? And, and even if I did make the 80,000 or the 50,000 or the 200,000, what kind of lifestyle is that? Who could I compare that to? Well, I don't know because nobody talks about money. Mm. You know, I want that dude's lifestyle. How much do you make? I can't ask him that. So I would, I would love for that to be in the education courses and just in society in general. How do we get people to, to share their secrets of financial success? No, that's so important because there are so many careers that people don't know about. And they choose these careers because of certain things. And they're like, what? That guy makes this much money? I never even heard of that career. I didn't even know that was a viable career, yeah. right? Or, hey, this person gets to work on these cool things. They get to build these things. They get to work with their hands or they get to do X, Y, Z. They get to talk to these type of people. That's, I think, it's it's so important. So what did you feel was lacking from your college experience? I don't think it was. I mean, it just wasn't for me on what I wanted and what I needed. I was taking a history class. I'm like, what? How is this going to help me progress in life, right? Like, yeah, I mean, history is important. I'm not saying that, but like, why am I writing papers in this? Like, I, I'm not a speak English. Yeah, my spelling probably sucks, but I don't want to spend a semester on writing papers. Yeah. Like, I just didn't feel like a lot of this applied to me. So like, you know, I was taking some Spanish classes as well, which a lot of that was a little bit more applicable, but most of my classes, I just felt like it just was like, I was taking pre-med. So I was doing biology, chemistry, organic chemistry. And it's like interesting, but it's like not applicable. So that's why I didn't like college and I don't feel like it fit me is because you have to fit in this box yeah. and you have to check all the boxes and all the classes to be able to graduate. And I just didn't like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. So let's start to sort of wrap up. What are your future goals? We've sold 61 franchises in our first six months and I want to get to a thousand stores and I think we're going to do it. And with these a thousand stores, I'm going to make it pretty quick, but it's also kind of my big vision. With a thousand stores, I'm going to have several hundred franchisees. So I want to serve them by providing them with the most low cost and simple to run franchise that exists. And that's why I think I built that dirty dough. Very, very low costing compared to any other franchise and the most simple model. We pre-manufacture everything offsite with machines, greatly reducing the labor. Then we ship out these pre-portioned cookie pucks or cookie dough balls to each of these retail locations and they just pop them in the oven every hour. So the freshness doesn't change, but the quality control and consistency is done at a corporate level. So that means you don't have to be a baker yeah. to own one of these franchises. You don't have to have a half million dollars. You don't have to have a few hundred thousand. You can do some SBA loans and some other things and get into them for really cheap. And then it's creating generational wealth. Because of the model, we fit in a very small square footage. So your lease payments are down. You don't have to hire people to mix the dough. You don't have to buy all the machinery. So your labor is less than half. So I'm just really trying to lower that barrier to entry to have more people own businesses. That's why I want to serve you know, hundreds of franchisees. On the next level is my, my employees and their employees. I'm very big and, and Dirty Dose Focus is 
what's on the inside that matters most. So it's all about these multi-layer cookies. Life is dirty and messy, and it's meant to be enjoyed just like these cookies. So it's all about that mental health push. Who's facing the mental health crisis the most? 16 to 22-year-old females. Who works in cookie stores? 16 to 22-year-old females. So I just have a good opportunity. I have a 1,000 stores. I could potentially help 20,000 young people with mental health. And what I want with mental health, I want it to be proactive rather than reactive. I want to teach people meditation and happiness mindset and breathing exercises before they become, they get settled with a mental illness. It has to be proactive, just like we go to the gym to be active, right? We don't wait till we have diabetes always to go to the gym. You're taught to go to the gym. You go to recess, right? Nobody's doing that though. So that's kind of my second layer. We pay for uh, life guidance services for all of our franchisees, all of their employees and all of our employees. They get to get matched up with a life guide and uh, then they choose what do they want to work on. Is it happiness mindset? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it divorce? Single parenting, peak performance, quality sleep, quality eating? What is it? They get to choose and they get unlimited calls. Third tier down, we're building out wellness centers. So my third customer is just the general public. I think I can affect 100,000 people or more if I have 1,000 stores open. So what we're doing is we call schools. We say, hey, we will pay for this uh, wellness room for you. All we want you to do is manage it. And then they convert an old room to a wellness center where kids could come and learn about how to be proactive with their mental health and gain those skills. So that's kind of my big vision. I want 1,000 stores. I want to serve those three customers in those three ways. Wow, that's amazing. I love that vision. And it's always cool to see people who are looking to grow business, but grow in a way that sort of helps the people who are involved in the businesses. And I think that's like the sort of the new way, right? Now, is there anything you want to share that you haven't shared already? Probably a lot. I'm just joking. No, we're we're out of time. If if people want to follow me though, I, I try to post content daily. Like we're talking about this money taboo stuff I posted earlier about this week. But a lot of thoughts, a lot of comments on that. So Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, I try to post on all of those every single day. So I have a website, bennettmaxwell.com, B-E-N-N-E-T-T, then Maxwell, M-A-X-W-E-L-L. Um, you can find out more about franchising, but also follow me if you just want to see if I can add, add any value. Um, that's really my focus is let's see if I can add value. And then in return, you know, may, maybe there's some uh, mutual benefit and maybe there's not, but which is totally fine. Yeah. And Buy some cookies. They're coming out. He and buy some cookies. He ships yeah. all over the country. <laughs> buy those cookies. Enjoy. Leave a review. Thank you so much for your time. This was a phenomenal episode. I'm hungry. I want these cookies right now, but I'll wait to get them. Thank you so much for your time, Bennett. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.